Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Pop Cult X, episode 67, I believe, if I'm counting correctly. And if my fingers work today, we're in episode 67. My name is Daniel, and along with Gabriel, we are your hosts for Pop Cult X. Now, today we have a, a special presentation, not presentation, that's not the right word. We have a special conversation for you all. Um, as you know, we've been really pushing towards having a lot of um, creative voices joining us here in Pop Quote X. And today we are gonna be joined by the co-writer of Blood and Gold, uh, The Legend of Joaquin Marietta. And it's very poignant because he is a fifth generation descendant of Joaquin Marietta, and that is Peter Marietta. So without further ado, let's just get right into that. Today, we are lucky and happy to be joined by the co-writer of uh, the author we had on last time, Jeffrey Marriott, and that is Peter Marietta, who is a fifth generation descendant, I believe, of Joaquin Marietta. So I'm excited to learn more about that and his deep connection with the book and the stories within. So first off, Peter, welcome to PopCultX. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yes, it's it's very awesome. I'm glad. I really enjoyed the book, first and foremost. That's awesome. Thank you. Yes. Thank it, you so it, much. It we was quite hard on it. Yes, it was, it was quite the page turner. It kept my interest. I don't think there was a, a lull in the book. It was from one moment to the next, and it was just go, go, go. And I can imagine as a life of a bandit, that's probably what it was almost like, because you're always looking over your shoulder. Yeah, and we had a lot to do, you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, we had a lot to cover. And uh, I think um, somebody uh, run the reviews of the movie called it the, the, the prose muscular, which I don't know what that exactly muscular. means, but I liked it. <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure what that is, but good. Yeah. yeah. The, the prose muscular. I like that term. That's that's quite nice. Now. Um, so Jeffrey was telling me that you are the fifth generation descendant of Joaquin Marietta. Now, yes. how was how was that? How did you learn about that as a child growing up? Say, oh, did you know, by the way, your great, great, great grandfather was this big time bandit. How how did that come across in conversation well, to you? Um, when I was a child, we in my family, in the Marietta family, there's there's just stories about Joaquin from when you're little. Okay. To, to, to when you leave. And uh, so we kind of grew up with these stories. Um, my dad's name is Joaquin. Um, my son's name is Joaquin. Um, nice. Here's a tradition in the, in the family that like the oldest male gets named Joaquin. So like <laughs> kind of grew up around in it and you know about it. And, you know, as soon as you start to figure out and reason you start asking kind of questions, but they always said, you know, five greats back. That's, that's our guy. Um, there was a poster that, uh, the wanted poster for Joaquin, um, mm -hmm. was in our living room. Oh, wow. There was a couple of brands, cattle brands from, um, I don't know if it's from the place that he gathered horses or not, mm -hmm. but we had a couple of cattle brands that were said to be his. And there was also a little plaque that I have somewhere around here. That's my grandfather's spur from when he was a, a kettle. And uh, so you kind of grew up in this family and you just were told these things. That's cool. It was like breathing and you just kind of, it was there. That's really cool. So you felt a deep connection to it from when you were a child then. Yeah. And I mean, and the things that we're told, we were taught lessons like, 
you know, parents, elders would use his story to tell you to be fair or to stand up for what's right mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. you know, do this, do that. And it was always like, you know, Joaquin would do this and you know, <laughs> cool. this like expectation. And, you know, in our family, he was somebody who looked out for other people. Um, right and cared about them it took him a long time to get to that you know a lot of bad things happened to him and he was very revenge oriented for a long time and then yeah he had to figure out a way to make a living and some of that was taking money from people he thought maybe had enough mm -hmm. and uh i think that is not a bad idea <laughs> i think that's what one of the great things in the book and the stories that you guys told was that he is a three-dimensional person and all the other books that Jeffrey and I talked about this was that he was very just written one dimensionally. He was a bandit. Yes. He was a horse thief. But you didn't see this other side of him, what he had to go through and what he, yeah. the hardships he faced that led him down that road. And then what he also did to give back to his community. So I'm glad you guys right. were able to tell that. Yeah. And, you know, it's good that you bring it up because, you know, when you think about it, because in my other job as a writer, a screenwriter and a television mm -hmm. writer, I you want to find the humanity of anything you do, even yeah. if you're writing like a dumb character on a sitcom or, <laughs> you know, whatever. You want to find the humanity in them. And it doesn't take too much. I mean, because I grew up with these stories, it was already evident to me. But if you really sit and think back on what you just read and you go, well, yeah, you know, they didn't say it in the book. But I bet everybody in the Old West couldn't necessarily shoot a gun and fall out of bed and. Like there were skills <laughs> that some people had and some didn't. And I think when you're a kid who grows up around horses and then, you know, has cousins that mine and they're silver miners, like having a handgun, a pistol and being able to shoot at another person with it is not necessarily a skill that mm -hmm. you have. Um, but right. there's others that do, like his cousin who fought in the Mexican-American War, who taught mm -hmm. him how to do some of this stuff. Um, so I just like that. Yeah. I like yeah. thinking about that. Yeah, that's really cool. Now, you said you were a screenwriter, which is really cool, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Now, are are there plans to develop this book into a series? Is that something that you could talk about or movie? I know Jeffrey was uh, kind of. That, yeah. Jeff, what did Jeffrey say? He said that there's still in the works that it's not it nothing is. really concrete. There's nothing concrete yet. It's in the works. Um, and it's very hopeful. I will say it's yeah. the story I've wanted to do my whole life mm -hmm. and my whole career. So I'm hoping soon that we will. Cool. That's actually um, that you bring that up, Peter, that that's something that you've been wanting to tell. Do you feel somewhat vindicated now that you have the book out and you have your your you know ancestor story told with family anecdotes with family mm -hmm. stories that doesn't have the bias of someone else telling the stories and how does that feel how has your family's reception been to it my family's reception makes me feel full i just was visiting with my aunt marie um in tucson and she was very excited about it and excited that like you know it's what you said gabe it's the it's the story of a person Mm -hmm. Um, but I'll tell you the thing that makes me feel the most full is, and these are, I'm going to give you one example of a story, but I've had maybe 50 of these since October when the book came out. Okay. So I'm in New Mexico <clears throat> and we're shooting, um, uh, Primo, the show that I'm, 
um, executive producing that's coming out soon. And um, I'm on set one day, and on the walkie-talkie, I hear one of the ADs say, like, go for Joaquin. And I was like, what? What's going on? And, <laughs> and the guy said, well, we have an, uh, a PA on days where we have large groups of extras. We have a PA uh, whose first name is Joaquin. And I was like, well, that's my favorite PA now. we got to make sure that guy works all the time. <laughs> that's my boy's name. That's my boy's name, right? And I said, so I want to I want to meet him, right? So then they get on the walkie, and, like, this PA is told that this executive producer wants to see him, which is usually not great. <laughs> right? So he walks over to me, and before I could say anything, he's like, I am so honored to meet you. And he's like, my dad was a Chicano activist, and he named me after your ancestor, and I bought oh, wow. that book, That's and I so gave cool. it to him for his birthday. And I didn't know if I was going to meet you on this shoot, but I just wanted to tell you that. So yeah. that, to me, is like, that stuff is awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. Well, uh, there... I'm glad that you share that story. And that's, that's really amazing that you've had this legendary iconic person in your family that means so much to so many different people on the flip side of that. Did, did as a young man, you know, growing up in the Southwest, did you ever feel the pressure of, I got to get from underneath his shadow. I want to make a name for myself. I, I want to be, you know, my own man and have my own story to tell or, or is it just a sense of pride for you that, you know, that, that you, you would never want I think to do it? Was always, it's a good question, Gabe, but I'd say it was always just pride. Yeah. You know, I would say for me, the energy that I had to spend to get out from something would be everyone in the world's expectations that a guy like me from Tucson could go make a living doing what I do. Like, it's, it's um, that was a hard road. Mm-hmm. There wasn't when I started hardly anybody else like me doing it. Mm-hmm. And um uh she's much younger than me and she'd be mad if I even intimated that she's my same age. But um there's a a, a, a female writer, Sierra, um, who's from Tucson. Oh wow. Who co-created Rutherford Falls that's on Peacock. Mm-hmm. That's not mm-hmm. the native, uh, the native uh, character right, and right. Ed Helms, um, and uh, you know we f- became friendly out here, and like she calls me Primo, and I call her Prima, and it's like we can't believe, you know, two people from Tucson, a Navajo, and a Mexican American are like out here writing comedy for the regular <laughs> folks. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> It is a, it is amazing feat um, for those that that maybe not be are, are not familiar with your work. I mean, it's it's a long list of of great accomplishments mm-hmm. within uh, the industry. You've worked with icons, you know, Rita Moreno, um, people for younger generations, Selena Gomez. Selena Gomez. I, I mean, yeah. a, a long, long list of, of a very accomplished career. And, and obviously you have much more ahead of yourself. Um, at one point, you did a show Greetings from Tucson, which yeah. was. Loosely based on on you know your life growing up in yeah. in Tucson Arizona, uh, me being from there as well. I mean, I, I was 
uh, amazed that uh, you know that that even existed. And are you done with Tucson as as a subject matter, or is that something? No, that, no, that no. Know? I'm not done at all. Um, I'm not done at all. That show was my very first show. That was my own show. Before that, I was working for other people. Yeah. That was my first show that I wrote that got made that I was a showrunner for, and um, it was quite an accomplishment to do 22 episodes. There was, um, you know, WB was not a very popular network, and they were kind of not on the upswing as much as they were on the downswing. But um, yeah, I I'm not done with Tucson at all as a location as mm-hmm. places to tell stories from at all. You know, I'm very excited by the way that the legislature what a week ago passed a bill that gives tax incentives just like New Mexico and um, Georgia. And so like I saw that there's two complexes being built, sound stages being built, one in Buckeye, which yeah. is naughty to me. Buckeye. <laughs> um, and then uh, one in Scottsdale. So I'm excited. I'm excited not just to tell stories about Tucson, but the possibility of being able to shoot those stories in the state in which they happen is pretty cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Is there any particular, I mean, I, I have my own sort of favorite urban legends and stories that I grew up with in Tucson. Is there anything that, you know, maybe that, that you've always had in the back of your head that like, oh, I can't wait to get this story out there or maybe a location or a building that has inspired you or. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like because I was, you know, the Tucson show that I did was about me in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, just driving through Tucson, uh, on Tuesday, I took my kid to, um, some of my old places and I guess, you know, it doesn't give anything away to say it, but like the, the birth of me as a writer and as an artist happened in like the late eighties in downtown Tucson at like club Congress and. Um, I was the night graveyard desk clerk at the hotel. I worked the graveyard shift. Oh, nice. And there was a theater down the street that I had my plays produced in. And there was a weird coffee shop that I hung out at called Cafe (laughs) Magritte. Doesn't exist anymore. And downtown was very different. And so, like, part of me, when I go see things like Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, can't help but dream about, like, what would that what would that movie look like? Or what would that show look like? And not with me at the center of it, by the way, it'd be like a cool ensemble kind of American graffiti kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, I definitely want to do that kind of thing. Awesome. I would, I would love to see that not only because I'm from there, but as a Chicano or Latino um, person, we don't get to see those types of films or stories told often that are, you know, based on Tucson, we see a lot of like border stuff like a Texas in Texas or, you know, yep. Mexico. But, um, you know, a lot of times I feel like my story coming up is very different from that immigrant yeah. story. And yeah. and it's like, I want to see I want to see a, a, a movie about some kid working at <laughs> Club Congress and the adventures that they had. Right. But it's still very Mexican-American. It's still very. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at that place and like you can't help but. Like you said, Gabe, like so many of our stories are just stories of human beings. And you're like, yeah, I'm a guy who worked at this place. And, you know, and and then you start thinking about, well, who works at all these places downtown? 
Mm-hmm. So what's the what do the alleys look like? What does the back door to all these places look like at night when we all go home? Um, and so there is a community there, but it's not thought of because there's not so much trauma with it. Right. Mm-hmm. People like to buy our trauma all the time. But I'd like to talk about like this was pretty cool. You yeah. know, this is yeah. our what what is yeah. our what is our fast times at Ridgemont High look like? You know, what is our <laughs> um, you know, what is our super bad look like? Yeah. <laughs> I, I had someone on Twitter recently. Um, I, I'm a, you know, self-professed bookworm. And yeah. it, her being Latina said, can anyone recommend uh, a book about, you know, being uh, Latinx that isn't about trauma, that mm-hmm. is, is not about, you know, these horrific things happen to us. And I was like, oh, my God, I, it's a hard question. I, I was like trying to come up with with answers for her, and, and and it was very profound because I thought it there's not a lot of books out there. And then I read a recent article that said about ninety five percent of books that come out are from white authors, five percent being people of color. Of that five percent, you know, even less so, you know, Latino or Chicano yeah. writers. How did you get involved in writing, and how yeah. how how were you inspired to to be one of the the few people? Oh, that's a great story. It's a great story. Um, uh, uh, first of all, I'll say to your friend that you were talking to your Twitter pal, like, I love that I just did a show with Shea Serrano. Um, and I love that if you ask, like, who's the best selling Mexican-American author? I think it would be Shay. He's got four books that were the New York Times bestseller list. And what I love is they're about basketball and rap and like, that's just so good to me that like, yep, that's how that works. And it's not about anything other than that. You're like, yeah, yeah this is how this works. So anyway, um, the story of me <laughs> writing, well, I was, I was going to be, um, my goal in life in high school was to somehow get to college and get an English degree and the biggest prize I could ever think of was teaching high school English and coaching junior varsity baseball. And I was very specific at the time. I was like, I want to coach JV baseball. And someone was like, because you'd be like shaping people and like getting, yeah. I was like, no, I just don't want the pressure of varsity baseball. <laughs> that was the whole thing, man. That was all it was going to be. I was like, I can be chill. I can wear you know, shorts to work and like, I, it was just gonna be great. And so then when I'm in college, I had this um, professor, dearly departed, recently departed professor, um, Donna Swaim, S-W-A-I-M. She was a humanities professor. And we had a paper due on something I think like existentialists in a humanities class, like write about this. And so these are the days, right, when no computers. So you write a paper and you hand it. And then you go to class the next week and they give it back to you. And it said, see me in my office. And I was like, okay, now I've been in high school and I have had many of these see me in my offices. So I know I knew it didn't, wasn't going to be good. No grades. <laughs> see me in my office. So I go to her office hours and she says, Peter, this is maybe the funniest paper I've ever read. Oh, wow. About. Nice existentialist for sure and like it's just really really funny and i was like well but like let's give me an a then sounds like you liked it (laughs) (laughs) 
let's hop on out of here, right? And she's like, well, you don't have a bibliography. You don't have any sources. I don't even think you have a thesis in here. And I was like, well, so then you liked it, but there's problems. So what about a B? And she was like, I think you need to redo it. But I want you to meet these people who do a comedy show every Friday on campus at the University of Arizona called Comedy Corner. And it was a, I was like, okay. So I met them and they, they had wanted me to write sketches for them. So I started doing that. And it was a really great laboratory for me. I, you know, cause we had a new live show every Friday for an hour. So I have to have new sketches every week. Um, and that's where I learned how to write. That's cool. And so that was the beginnings of that. And then, you know, I gravitated more towards theater because of those people. And I started writing one acts. Um, and, uh, and then I think one or two full plays, and then um, somebody came to town and uh, it was Second City Touring Company. And I saw that. And I thought, damn it, I could make a, I could make money doing this. <laughs> and so I moved to Chicago and I got into Second City. And then, then everything kind of ballooned from there. Oh, wow. That's awesome. But it was that professor, Donna Swain. So at, on, at Second City, were you a performer as well as yes. writer? Yes. Oh, wow. Cool. Yes. Yes, I was in the touring company um, and I was there five years uh, and uh, I understudied um, Stephen Colbert. Oh, wow. When he was not in, I would go in for him. Uh, and then, but I always knew I wanted to write. Right. You know, and so when we moved to LA, my wife, I met my wife there. When we moved to LA, I was like, okay, I'm not going to wear contact lenses anymore. I don't need to be versatile. I don't need to be anything. And I'm going to not have an agent that sends me out on stuff. And I'm just going to write. Nice. Cool. Very cool. What do you think or consider then the, the biggest element of writing? If you could share and embark with us a little bit of, um, you know, just what you think is the best part of writing or most important element. Oh, to it. The best part of writing. I think the best part of writing is when you connect something that makes sense and it doesn't happen often a lot of it is just getting through the day and then hoping tomorrow will be better <laughs> i have a lot of friends that are writers and they they write things but they also they often will say to me like well i didn't feel like it today and i'm like oh man you got it every day you got it every day now fortunately i've got enough things going on there's no options for me <laughs> it doesn't, it do doesn't matter right what how i feel i gotta get it done right and so i think because of that because that improv training where you're like i don't have to be amazing all the time i just have to do the work and then you do the work and you redo the work and you redo the work and then things start to make sense and they connect and you go oh that's awesome that's awesome cool um so that's the best part that's very cool when it comes to your inspiration for all the different projects that you're involved on, involved with, um, where do you draw inspiration? You know, obviously your ancestor here is one big inspiration, but um, what else are, are you into? Are you a big music fan, comic books, regular yeah. books? Yeah, all of it. Um, I am inspired by great music. And to me, great music is um, punk music from the 80s. I'm just listening to an amazing podcast about how punk's origins are all Latin. It's really great. Oh, that's amazing awesome. Podcast. 
really great podcast. Oh, I um, think you shared a group on your Twitter feed about um, the LA band that was punk and they were Latino. And I went and looked yeah. them up and that was quite an interesting uh, eclectic music yeah. choice there. Yeah. You know, amazing. So that's, that's great music to me that inspires me. X, um, fear, circle jerks, um, DOA, TSOL, like those bands really get me going. Um, I'd say comic books. I still read every week. I still have a weekly poll. Nice. I'm very into it. I wrote a book last year called Rafael Garcia Henchman through Starburns that, um, we were like an indie press, but it uh, it sold out, which I'm excited mm-hmm. about. We got more issues coming, um, but I read every week, and I, you know, to me, I love the new stuff. Like I really, really love when I find a book, when I find an artist like Raphael Albuquerque, and I'm like, oh my god, um, uh, that stuff really gets me going. Um, still got a soft spot for. Um, Superman. Yeah. You know, the greatest immigrant story of all time. Yep. Right. Like, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Right. Right. And then, kind of, as soon as you start talking about it like that, it just changes everything where you're like, right. And then parents had told them not to call, get attention. Don't, don't get attention called to you because who knows? Like, all that stuff is just so amazing. And I just love yeah. imagining that. Um, and, and regular books I'm, I'm constantly reading. I'm reading, um, I'm, I'm reading right now, um, uh, Dracula, nice. the original Dracula, mm-hmm. my kid Dan and I are reading it together. Cause they were like, we haven't, I haven't read that. And I feel like I should. And I was like, yeah, I do too. Yeah. I should. <laughs> um, so I'm reading cool. that, but I'm also reading, uh, um, uh, I'm trying to think of what is in my, Oh, I also read the, just finished reading crazy book but it was for this show I was working on um, baseball pitcher, Christy Matthewson, who I don't imagine either of you know who that is. I do. Oh, you do. I'm a big so, baseball fan. Yeah. Okay. So 1912, mm-hmm. Christy Matthewson, the gentleman of baseball. Um, he writes a book about how to be a good baseball player. Oh, okay. And it's obviously ghostwritten by a sports writer, but he's involved in it. And they did a reprinting, I think, in the 80s or 90s. And I just came across an used bookstore. And just the language is just great because it's 1912 and it's this mm-hmm. guy talking about baseball and talking about, oh, you know, that John McGraw is a sneaky one. And he'll be <laughs> nice to you. And, you know, and then it's just great. So I just finished reading that. That's cool. Nice. Yeah. I could do a whole episode just on baseball. We could chat oh, about me that too. all day. I just yeah. finished writing on uh, um, Field of Dreams, the television oh. series. Oh, nice. I did Uh not know there was going to be a television series filled with dreams. Well, there was, and maybe there still will be, but the, 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 the good folks at Peacock decided at the last minute that maybe they wanted to take a pause. Because I know a league of our own is coming out in prime um, network and I'm looking forward to that. that. Who's your team? Uh, For professional baseball, San Diego Padres. I'm born and raised in San Diego. So that's where my loyalty lies. Gabe, you got a team? Are you a fan or cash? I, I, I don't know anything about sports ball. It's <laughs> terrific. About sports ball. <laughs> terrific. Terrific. <laughs> and how about you, Peter? Who's who's your team there? Well, because I was born and raised in the desert. Okay. I'm, of course, a Boston Red Sox fan from when I was of course. a 
Of course. Um, I think from my Irish side of my family, my Irish side of my family was very steeped in that. And I still have pictures of me when I was wearing the little with Red Sox cap on, going nice. down to this newsstand on Congress Street where you could buy a sporting news and you could get box scores of how Boston was doing. Um, but then I've been in L.A. now for coming up on 27 years. Um, so the Dodgers kind of have warmed their way into my <laughs> life. We'll forgive you for that. <laughs> but but I did get to go to a World Series game when the, when the Red Sox by the Dodgers. Oh, my awesome. good friend who's um, uh, connected to the team, to the Dodgers, invited me to go watch in the owner's box. Oh wow! But said I, cool. but said I couldn't. I couldn't wear Red Sox stuff. And I was like, okay. Okay. And so I went in, and it was the game where the tide turned for the Red Sox, mm -hmm. and I was in that booth, quiet, watching the game <laughs> get in my favor. And by the end of the game, the box was empty because they were all so frustrated they had gone. And I was like, I'm in this box by myself, and the Red Sox. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> That's really cool. So uh, since we have someone that yeah. is within the industry and, and I, I'm kind of curious on, on your opinion on the state of television and movies and how some people right now have a very low uh, perspective on what's going on with superheroes and comic books inundating and, and really uh, dominating you know, movies, sure. it's coming on to TV series, you know, see Disney Plus and Kulu and all of that. Do you do you have that sort of doomsday sort of like, oh, movies are horrible right now? Or I know you're a comic book fan. So do you think this is a great time during, you know, this is great stories yeah. you're being told or what's your opinion on all of that? Um, I think like anything, I mean, I, I guess, yes. I'm going to say like the 12 year old me mm -hmm. is just excited all the time like to sit i remember the store i was in when i first bought the first teen titans book mm. by george perez oh. and and i saw that art and i was like oh my god and robin was already my guy forever so i was like this is it and then to be able to tune in what it's been three years now when the Titans series came on and it's there and you can watch it like it's amazing it's just amazing and um so that part of me is there. I think the part of me that is a writer who is very excited about original stories. It's always rooting for an original movie to do well. You know, I'm always up for Jordan Peele because I want original movies to do well. Mm -hmm. um, I want, you know, Tenet to work. I want Nolan stuff to work. I think it's hard. It's hard right now to cut through all that. People just want to buy IP. They want to adapt things. Um, it's hard. And I think... It's not that we're tapped out. There's like comic books that I wish they would do that I know they wouldn't. There's a book from the 80s called Brat Pack. Mm -hmm. That was this real weird takedown of sidekicks that involved like a lot, a lot of trauma, like a lot of S&M and abuse and trafficking and like, oh, wow. and it was really intense. And I know like the boys have done some of that, but the boys do it mm -hmm. in a way that's kind of like, I'm going to say cartoony because they're dealing with real stuff, but the violence is sort of hyper. And like when people suffer these sort of traumas, a lot of the next moments are like, get over it. We got to do this next thing. And the Brat Pack was just so rich in the way that 
things were like buried for years and then would come out. So there's tons of books like that that I don't think have been done yet. But I also think as an, a veteran or elder that we have to be careful because we're now in the remake and reimagine, right? League of Their Own's on, Field of Dreams. So we're in that cycle now, right? And in my mind, sometimes I think about, now what about the 25-year-old? What is going to be the thing that they want to see remade if nobody's going to make original stuff for them? Are they supposed to be as excited about League of Their Own as we are? Right. But shouldn't they have their own thing? So that's a couple of my just complicated thoughts about it all. Right. Uh, another topic that's kind of hot right now in pop culture um, that I'm curious of your your perspective on is um, they've announced uh, Noche Huerta is going to be Namor the Submariner in the Black Panther sequel. Yeah. I'm super excited. I'm super stoked. I'm you know a comic book fan. Uh, I can't say that I was like neighbors Namor's number one fan, but to see someone that's a brown person taking the helm of, of a superhero, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm all for it. Then I yeah. go on Twitter and I see this like <laughs> anti, uh, you oh, know, yeah. brown person sentiment, and and I think, God, are we not past that? And, um, are, you know, being on the inside of the industry, I'm sure you said it was hard for you to to come up, and you had a lot of obstacles. Do you do you get discouraged with trying to tell your stories and and being a person, a Latino within the industry and do you ever just like, you know, say, oh, I'm done, like I'm tired of fighting? Or are you at the point where you're just like, I'm going to tell my stories. If you like them, you don't. It's not for you. Mm-hmm. It's out there. Yeah. You can watch it if you I'm want. That, I'm, at that, I'm at that part. I'm at that part. I'm at the part where I'm telling my stories, whatever you want, no matter what you want. I'm telling my stories. And I think, you know, it's interesting. I think there was even some like brown backlash on it too right like you know we should have our own stories instead of having to be grafted on to namor right there's that piece mm-hmm. too right and then there's just the the garbage fire of twitter in general um <laughs> i think it's cool i think it's cool i mean but i'm 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 um i wouldn't say i fall in line with all the correct opinions but i would say like i think it's cool but the part of me that's read comic books since i was a little kid mm-hmm is like, ooh, so if you're going to make Namor that, does he get to get down with Sue Storm? (laughs) (laughs) How's that going to work? How are we going to do that sort of interracial situation if it should come to pass? Because I remember that as a kid, right? King Atlantis comes and takes the pretty girl away from the smartest man in the world. You're like, let's go. Yeah. So I, that's what I started thinking about. Like, those are the stories I want to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um, it, go ahead. Oh, I it just I, I find it interesting that that people have, you know, they, they feel so strongly about these characters, but they don't understand that, you know, these characters mean a lot to a lot of different people. And it's OK if they make one movie that's not specifically for you, yeah. because. Right. There's 20 other ones that have been made mm-hmm. that you've enjoyed. If there's one movie that is made for, you know, the black community or for, you know, Asians, they let, let us have that. Like there's so few. <laughs> <Right. of them. laughs> well, did you watch Captain and Winter Soldier? Falcon yeah. and Winter Soldier? Yeah. yeah. 
Right. And we meet this guy in one of the first episodes who's like this weapons guy with a duffel bag. And I'm sure you're like, you're like, oh boy, okay. And then he's just gone. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's like when The Martian came out, this is dating back a few years, but I remember being in a writer's room and I did this on purpose. You know, I came in and I was like, hey, I saw this cool movie over the weekend. And they were like, what, what movie did you see? And I said, well, it starred Michael Pena. And it was about this uh, astronaut who like leaves his friend on a planet and they have to go back and get him. <laughs> and they were like, are you talking about the Matt Damon movie? And I was like, oh yeah, he was in it. He was in it. He was in it. But Michael was like, they were busy and he left him and then they had to turn back. <laughs> you know. And they were like, what are you doing? I said, I'm just making the movie what I want to be. You know, that's that. So I just, when I watch those things and I see those folks, I'm like, come on now, let's get a cape on and a mask and let's go, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Would there be any, um, if you were given the toy chest of DC or Marvel, say, or Image Comics or any of the other independent um, publication houses, here... Pick, take your pick of a comic book character that you can take to a series or a movie. Do you have one in mind that you would love to, to tell their story? Yes. Um, I've had many meetings at DC with never anything to come out of them, but I've always talked about wanting to do <clears throat> Nightwing mm. as a movie. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to do uh, Power Girl uh, my my writing my writing friend Gretchen and I were very interested in a sort of modern take on Power Girl. Um, I have deep love for uh, Booster Gold and how weird and crazy he is. I know they tried to put him in Le Legends of Tomorrow, and it was kind of weird to me. Like I think you want to get that energy of like a guy on the make guy's going to be famous and like, you know, and ends up having to do good anyway. Like I like that stuff. Yeah. Um, I, but I would say the biggest one that I would want to do that I wish that someone would let me do is our man. If you guys know who our man is. I'm, I'm not familiar with him. Our man was an original member of the justice society in the forties. Okay. And I first discovered him when they justice league used to do those crossovers with the justice society. Mm -hmm. And I think when I tell you who he is, if you look him up, the costume is really cool. Um, and I think he was in like Stargirl, the series Stargirl for a minute, okay. a version of him. But the version I want to do is our man is a guy who's a scientist who's developed a pill that if he takes, he has super strength and invulnerability for an hour. Mm. So it's got okay. this weird, it's got this weird sort of 40s, 50s science bent to it from mm -hmm. when it was created, where he's got a little hourglass and he turns it over when he takes his pill so he knows how long he'll be strong. <laughs> but cool. there's things in there that you don't think about, which is like, hey, I think this might get jostled around in a fist fight. Like, I don't know <laughs> how accurate that is, but, but God bless you for doing it because it looks really cool, you know? Mm -hmm. Anyway, and then in later years, when he got older and they still were telling stories not about him, you would hear these things in other Justice League stories like, oh, you know, he can't do that anymore because he became addicted to those pills. And 
Oh, wow. So like there's okay. an addiction being there. Then mm-hmm. he had a son who continued the legacy and they had a weird relationship. So there's like so much interesting things there. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, it's a way to do a superhero story that's just about steroids. Yeah. You yeah. know, so I would love to do that. Yeah. My my mind immediately goes to a scene of him saying like, oh, I've got 15 minutes. Do your worst. And his clock is wrong, and he just gets That's right. <laughs> <laughs> in the hospital. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, he's like, "Damn it, I need to get a more accurate." He's <laughs> also a guy who, like, okay, we're gonna go uh, fight Brainwave. <laughs> All the Justice say we're gonna go fight Brainwave. Flash is gonna run really fast. Wonder Woman's gonna take the people in the plane. They can't fly, and Superman's gonna fly, and like, we're all heading. And then he's like, okay, well, how, how far, how far is the flight? <laughs> two hours. Okay. Right. <laughs> you're in like the plane with him and Wonder Woman and he's like timing it. Right. And I think that's just all very interesting. To me. Yeah. Very interesting. That sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> well, what if he finishes the battle early and then he has like 45 minutes left of What power. are you going to do with that? Yeah. What, what are you going to do with that? that? Yeah. And me, it's the junk, it's the junkie attic thing, right? It's the guy on meth who's like, let's build something. Uh, why don't we build a, another library right here, right now? You know? And it's like that that thing. I just think that's a very compelling idea. Yeah, that's nice. really cool. That is really cool. So you said you were you're working on a show right now. Um, is there anything you can share about that show or share sure. about future projects you're working on that you can tell everyone about? Sure, sure, sure. Um, well, I just finished, we just finished shooting uh, a show called Primo that is going to come out soon. I don't know exactly when and when, even if I did, I don't know that I can say, but it's coming. Okay. And, um, and you should look out for announcements about it. Um, and um, I've got a couple of things I'm writing right now, uh, getting ready to go out and sell that I can't talk about, but I'm very excited about. <laughs> awesome. And, um, uh, yeah, that's it. So Primo, I'm just going to guess it's 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 um, Hispanic, Latin, Mexican, American based, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Just based on the name. That's like correct. The, the water brand from like Walmart or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's, uh, it's, about, it's about a family and that's okay. all I can say now. Sounds good. Great. I'm looking forward to it. I I am so hungry for more stories that that are uh, you know from that perspective about mm-hmm. our community that is so underrepresented. So um, yeah. I can't wait for that to come out. Um, if, as far as our our listeners and our subscribers and things like that, um, do you are you a social media guy? Can they follow you yeah. on Twitter, Instagram? Yeah. I'm at Mighty Peter on Twitter and Instagram. Cool. And I'll be sure to share that so everyone can go follow Absolutely. you there. And yeah, I think I think and you'll know how one. if you follow me on there, you'll know how busy I am by how often you see it. <laughs> there are there are stretches where you're like, is this guy working? And then there's stretches where you're like, is this guy alive? <laughs> so it's fun. It's a fun little game. Right, right. And I, I think it's really cool that you interact with the fans on there and you yeah. and you're able to do that. You're not someone who just tweets and then goes off. So you're able to you connect with right. your fans there. So I'm, I'm appreciate we appreciate that. that. 
Yeah. I appreciate you all because it's the only reason anybody watches this stuff is because it's good or they feel like they know who the people are that are doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, we here at Pop Cult X, thank you again very much, Peter. Um, thank you. We appreciate your time. We know you have a hectic, busy schedule, and we can right. always check that, like you said, on your Twitter feed to see if you're busy yep. or not. So, yep. um, thank you again for joining us here on Pop Cult X. We we do appreciate you. Awesome. I appreciate y'all. And has this all been brought to you by Lucky Wishbone? Yes. Twelve <laughs> locations. And if, you, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. <laughs> Lucky yeah. Wishbone. Tell them that this podcast sent you and they will look at you confused and then also give you some great food (laughs) (laughs) sounds good (laughs) all right thank you all thank Thank you. you that was an amazing conversation that we had with peter um i am honored to have had a conversation with him i mean he's a prolific uh creator within hollywood and industries i mean we, we sort of briefly mentioned all the work that he's done on television yeah. and with within, uh, you know, now his new book and comic books and all kinds of things. Um, but please go out and get his book. We need to support um, writers that are people of color. Um, I mentioned in the interview, 95% of new books or books in general um, are written by white people. 5% are by people of color. So when they do come out, we need to show the industry mm-hmm. that you're interested in those stories. Please go out and buy it. It's a great book. Um, it's an interesting story um, with historical facts about a real person that lived yeah. and um impacted many, many people, not only his own family, but on people of the region. So please support him, support stories from people of color. Um, Once again, thank you to Peter for joining us um, on our podcast. Um, Follow him on Twitter and uh, any new projects that he may may have coming up. um, Subscribe and like us. Uh, Follow us on Twitter and on YouTube. Once again, thank you to everyone who is coming to our little podcast. It is a pleasure for us to be able to talk to interesting people and bring it to you. So thank you once again to everyone. Thank you, Danny, for co-hosting with me once again. Everyone stay safe. Have a good night. Good night, everyone.